Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. By the way, love the band. I believe that band, if I'm not mistaken, played at my prom in 1980. Oh, I don't, uh, you know what? Not going to say it. Not going to say the year. You can figure it out at some point. Do the math. Google me if you would like. Hey, we've got a big interview today. It's not my liberal Jewish mother in New York, though I tell you what, she'd be a hoot and we've got to get her on the podcast at some point pretty soon. Uh, Not Kim Kardashian. Sorry about that, folks. No, uh, it's not even Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who was apparently voted the most famous person in the world. And by the way, can I just say I'd like to register a no vote on that? Anyhow, today we have a biggie, ladies and gentlemen. I give you trumpet, please. And trust me, the trumpet makes sense because we have none other than President Donald Trump. That's right, President Donald Trump, the trumpet and everything. We've got the trumpet loaded up here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Now, I don't believe we actually heard the trumpet anywhere at the White House when we were there. It's not like he comes out and there's a trumpet, though I don't think he'd necessarily be opposed to that. Maybe maybe he would. I have no idea. Um, look, th- this interview made a lot of headlines. We're going to play the whole thing for you. Uh, where do I even begin? Uh, he talked about, oh, I don't know, Barack Obama and the word treason. Yeah, you probably heard about that. Uh, so, so we'll get to that. He also um, opined on Neil Gorsuch and about how he was surprised at that LGBT civil rights decision the other day by the Supreme Court. And speaking of the Supreme Court, he specifically talked about pro-life judges and his pitch to evangelicals as to why he's the guy and not uh, Joe Biden. And he makes that very clear throughout the whole interview. As a matter of fact, you really get a sense of this is the strategy, Uh, this idea that if Biden is going to try to pick off a percentage or two of evangelicals, you know, Trump's view is good luck with that, Joe, uh, because you got no game when it comes to pro-life and judges. And, you know, the president believes that that's a big part of the ballgame. And you can't argue with that whatsoever. We also talk about enthusiasm uh, and the polling uh, that has not shown good numbers for this president. So we'll get his take on that. He talks about Fox News. He absolutely goes off on Fox News. We get into that Tulsa rally the other day and about some of those comments regarding testing, whether or not he actually told staff to stop the testing. He'll answer that. You know, he also, I also asked him about these John Bolton comments in this book called The Room Where It Happened. What is it, like a Hamilton uh, uh, soundtrack there? Anyhow, that's a separate issue. Uh, But when John Bolton said that Trump said that journalists should be executed, I did ask him about that. um, So you'll get his response on that. 
We also got into this idea of, look, you're the law and order president, but how do you do that plus balance it with compassion? He'll speak to that. There was another question I posed to him about, and it's, it's I got to tell you, I, I mean, I should run a business on this. It's like my niche question uh, the, the, for such a time as this question, the evangelical question. In other words, did God put you in office for such a time as this? I've asked that to Sarah Sanders, Mike Pompeo, uh, the list goes on. Never asked it to President Trump himself. He'll give you the answer today on the podcast. So lots to decipher, lots to go through. We'll give you analysis as we go uh, through it. I want to give you a little bit of behind the scenes before we get going on the interview. First of all, let me let me just say one thing, okay? This interview was outside, all right? Um, it, it was uh, hot, it was humid, it was sticky because we did this interview literally outside on the West Wing Colonnade. It was right next to the Oval Office. I mean, literally, you could like knock on the door of the Oval Office and they'd probably, at that point, Secret Service would come and kick you out. But beyond the security issue, we were very close to the Oval Office, literally right outside. The point is, it was hot. So, beautiful location, but guess what? Still hot. And at one point, my hair actually refused to do the interview based on the humidity, but we worked it out. so we got there about 8.30 in the morning or so. It was an 11.30 interview. We probably didn't start till probably close to noon. We waited an hour or so at security. As a matter of fact, we finally got through. They're like, oh, you're with the Christian Broadcasting Network? Sorry, you can't commit. No, that's not true. They didn't say that. Um, we brought a crew of five. Myself, uh, a producer, uh, Dana Ritter, uh, along with three cameramen. However, they would only allow me and a cameraman with the president at the time due to COVID-19 restrictions. I got my COVID test, by the way, I should say. I got it about an hour and a half before the uh, interview, and clearly I passed because, hello, we did the interview. Um, and I thought what was interesting, I was we were waiting for the interview. I was literally, like I said, right outside the Oval Office there on this, um, this nook patio, if you will. And I'm just sitting in the chair, just hanging out. I don't know. I was probably playing something on my phone, probably a solitaire. That's not true. I was, I was actually preparing for the interview. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, and a personal assistant, uh, of the president comes up to me and says, David, could you come here? So I go over to the Oval Office door and he says, the president wants to talk with you, speak with you. So I walk into the Oval Office, uh, order a Coke. I didn't order a Coke. As a matter of fact, I didn't order anything. Um, and we had about a 10 or 15 minute off the record discussion, uh, because it's off the record. I can't tell you what we discussed. I'll just say, uh, you know, it was just everything under the sun. So the, how does that for uh, narrowing it down? Uh, so we did about 10, 15 minutes in the Oval Office, and then he came out to the interview. It was about 20 to 22 minutes or so. And then we did it like our proverbial television walk shot uh, afterwards on the colonnade. And then we got some video as well inside the Oval Office. Uh, and so uh, that, that was good. By the way, I must tell you, uh, I got summoned to the Oval Office. The first thing I thought was, man, I hope I paid all my speeding tickets or he's going to send me down to the, the AG's office. That, that w- it was a concern of mine. The good news is, I'm a upstanding citizen and I have paid all my tickets. I, I will say one thing about something you might not have noticed. You probably didn't notice. Um, Donald Trump uh, wanted to, you know, have not as many lights on him. It was hot. So we, we turned down some of the lights and he wanted God's light. Uh, so I thought that was uh, interesting. And, you know, I mean, you can't get better than God's light. So, I mean, who, A, who can argue with the president? Uh, but who can argue with uh, about God's light uh, for sure? 
All right, enough of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Let's get to the interview, shall we? We're going to do this in two parts. Like I said, it ran about 22 minutes or so. We'll do about 11 minutes here and then 11 minutes in the next segment. Uh, Here we go. Let's just uh, let it play. Who am I talking to? I don't know who's rolling the interview today, but let's just let it play for 11 minutes. We'll come back on the other side. Here's the president of the United States, Donald Trump. President Trump, great to see you again, sir. Thank you very much, David. Where do I even begin? Let's start with Joe Biden. Uh, If Joe Biden gets elected president of the United States, what does that mean for America exactly? Well, I can tell you what it means for your religion. It means choice. It means uh, that you're going to put a radical lefty on the court, and that's going to be the end of uh, uh, pro-life. It won't even have a chance. So that's what it means. Nobody's been more pro, as you know, you've heard it many times. I think you might have said it yourself, but uh, nobody has been more pro-life as president than I have. Mm-hmm. I even went to the recent, uh, they had a fantastic thing three blocks away in the park. And I went to it, and I'm the first president that ever went to it. A celebration mm-hmm. of the victories of oh, the March for Life, had. yeah. Between Mexico City, you know what Mexico City is very well, but uh, a lot of your viewers might not. But nobody since Ronald Reagan, and even he was light. His was Mexico City light. Mm-hmm. Mine is... Mexico City strong. You know, if, if Biden gets in, he's going to put, he's not going to, look, he's not going to do, because Joe is shot. Somebody, whoever's going to be running the party, is going to put radical left judges on the Supreme Court and all over the court system. Mm-hmm. And everything we do, I think I'll have close to 300 judges uh, by the time I uh, finish my first term. Mm-hmm. Hopefully a lot more than that, but it's, it's a record number. And uh, we have pro-life, these are pro-life judges. So, uh, and you look at the Supreme Court, they're pro-life. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. We will, uh, I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna win maybe big because we've done a job like nobody else. You know, we were sailing and then we got hit with the uh, Chinese virus. Mm -hmm. But we were sailing, we were so far up and we were doing very well. And then all of a sudden it was an artificial situation that happened to us and we had to turn it off we had to turn off the economy we did the right thing we saved millions of lives and now we're turning it back on and we're doing record business we're doing record jobs as you know we were announced last week we have record uh, retail sales was announced last week and i think it's going to be a v-shape a lot of people disagreed with me now they're all agreeing with me but uh we're doing well but in terms of religion in terms of evangelical in terms of Christians with or without evangelical, in terms of uh, Jewish, in terms of anything, you're going to have radical left judges appointed. And if you're in favor of pro-life, you can forget it. What do you think of what happened with Neil Gorsuch in the 6-3 decision with the LGBT civil rights? Uh, That was a shock to a lot of folks. I was surprised. I was surprised. Uh, Some people felt that it was a decision that they weren't as surprised as I was. Yeah, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And John Roberts, what do you make? I mean, is he the new Anthony Kennedy or, or potentially worse? Well, so far, we're not doing too well. It says, it says look, we've had a lot of losses yeah. with a court that was supposed to be in our favor. This is just to show what means. We need, you know, you'll probably have a couple of more judges in the next four years. It could even be more than that. It could be three or four. If you have a radical left group of judges, religion, I think, will be almost wiped out in America. If you look at it, pro-life will be absolutely wiped out. So if you have that happening, 
pro-life is going to be out. It's going to be gone. What do you make of the state of the race right now? We've seen polls, even some friendly polls, showing you behind. Do you buy any of that? I don't, because I see so, so much enthusiasm right now. I see so much enthusiasm. And a lot of it, in terms of what you're talking about, has to do with the whole pro-life movement. A lot of it has to do with that. Mm. Uh, but I think we're doing much better than we did in 16. And I think there's actually more enthusiasm than there is in 16. Why do you think that? I just think it. I think mm -hmm. that I, I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I see it. Now, we got hit with this horrible pandemic, but we've done a great job. We came up with testing. Frankly, we test so much that it's almost unfair. You know, when they say cases, we're 25 million tests and other countries are barely even testing. So when it shows that we have more cases, but a lot of them are ace, well, a lot of them are things that we find. We find things to feed to the press because I'm a big fan of testing, but we are at a level that nobody's ever even imagined before, 25 million. We're 20 million higher, approximately, than the next highest nation. So if you're 20 million higher, you're going to find more cases, and then they're going to report, oh, there's more cases. Mm. But in the end, we're doing the right thing. At the Tulsa rally, when the media is hitting you on that, where you said, I, I told my staff, stop the testing. Stop, they're saying, uh, was that tongue-in-cheek or, or No, it's semi-tongue-in-cheek. I say it all the time. I, I know some people thought it was tongue-in-cheek. It's unfair. We're doing so much testing, so much more than any other country. And to be honest with you, when you do more testing, you find more cases. And then they report our cases are through the roof. But other countries, many countries, don't even test of, with real quality outside of, you know, people that are very sick. So we go out and we test 25 million people, which is a lot. You never thought that was even possible. Most people didn't. And we could go up a lot higher than that, and I guess we are. But I tell my people it's a double-edged sword because we do so much testing. And again, we have kids we, with sniffles, and all of a sudden we report a case, and they're in no danger whatsoever. You know, if you look at the numbers, uh, below 18, very few people are affected. The governor of New Jersey, who's a, uh, mm -hmm. a very good guy, but very liberal, that's okay. Right. He was telling me thousands of deaths and they only had one under 18. Think of it. One young person mm. who died under the age of 18 with thousands of deaths. So that tells you their immune system or something Something is doing well. And the one person did have a medical problem. But just to clear up, there wasn't a direct order, if you will, to staff to stop the testing. No, okay. but, but I, I, think it's, I think we put ourselves at a disadvantage. I told my people. I said, we've gotten so good at testing. Number one, we have the best tests. Number two, we have the most tests. We test much more than any other nation. Mm -hmm. So you hear about all these cases. So instead of doing 25 million tests, let's say we did 10 million tests, mm -hmm. we'd look like we're doing much better because we'd have far fewer cases. You understand that? I didn't, I wouldn't do that, but I will say this. We do so much more than other countries. It makes us, in a way, look bad, but actually we're doing the right thing. Speaking of uh, making you look bad, the, the, the mainstream media, I put that in quotes, the liberal media has really hammered you since day one, before, day when one. you came, the escalator, day the one. escalator, before right. Before day one. For yeah. sure. So what about Fox News? What, what's, why do, what's going on with Fox News exactly? You've been very critical of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't like what they're doing at Fox why News. Uh, they have people on that uh, network that are horrible, vicious. You have people that work for Schumer. You have people that, uh, are unbelievably against us and viciously, and they spew lies. Mm -hmm. Commentators, 
It's I, I'm not happy with Fox. I will tell you that right now. People think I should be happy. I'm not happy with Fox at all. Mm -hmm. All I do is give them good ratings. And frankly, uh, and, and my supporters feel the same way. You know, there was a study the other day in a, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, in the Washington Post, mm -hmm. that I have probably, possibly the strongest base in history, the history of politics, okay? Could be. And my base hates what Fox News is doing. Compare them to the old days with Roger Ailes. Mm. Because you have to understand, we're against CNN and we're against MSDNC, which is, you know, mm -hmm. right? You know what that is. And they're two horrible networks. Mm. And they don't put anything, they put nothing ever positive. Whereas Fox News wants to be politically correct all of a sudden. So Fox News, I'm not happy with them, but that's okay. And they can do whatever they want. Uh, I think my people understand it and I understand it, but Roger Ailes would have never let this happen. We have 100% against, 100% those two. And you know, our people are the ones that got Fox to be in first place. Mm -hmm. The only one that doesn't know that is Fox. <laughs> the Trump supporters do not like Fox. We have great people, Sean Hannity, Laura, Fox and Friends, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you watch Fox, watch Fox, try watching Fox sometime over the weekend. Mm. It's like a complete hit job during the day, during the day weekend. It's like a hit job on President Trump. And the problem is you have other networks, the other two are, you know, radical. Now you have other new ones come. Newsmax is doing a great job. OAN has been uh, fantastic. I mean, really fantastic. They've been great. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not happy with Fox. Let me ask you, um, I don't want to talk about the John Bolton book, but, I, but he did say something in that book about the media. He said sure. that something about you saying journalists should be jailed and then executed. I mean, you no. want to respond to that? He made it up. Look, he's admitted that he will lie. He's admitted that. There was a report that I saw where he will admit that he will lie in order to get the job done. I gave John Bolton, and he lied. I gave John Bolton a great opportunity. And by the way, the things, many of the things he said, there were many other people in the room. Because it's not like I'm alone with one person. Right. I have a lot, a big delegation with me, and they've got a big delegation. And Steve Mnuchin came out, and Mike Pompeo came out, and Mick Mulvaney came out. Many people, they all came out. And they said it's a lie. He's a liar. I fired him. I got him out. He was no good. All he wanted to do was bomb people. Mm. Now. I don't mind having an opposing point of view. And frankly, I think I used him very well because when people saw him, they know he was sort of crazy. And maybe it helped me negotiate good deals, frankly. But he was terrible. He had no personality. Uh, he had no warmth. What I, I don't think I've ever seen this guy smile. Have you ever seen him smile? I said, John, do you ever smile? And he didn't even know how to answer the question. No, John, uh, John was washed up and I took him and I gave him something. He couldn't get Senate confirmed because they hated him. They hated him and they thought he was a whack job. Uh, I asked him, do me a favor, tell me, are you still happy with the decision? You pushed it so hard to go into Iraq. He said, yes. I said, you're happy. We spent almost $8 trillion in the Middle East because of that decision. You think it was a good decision? Yes. I said, this guy's bad. And then, of course, the Libyan model, you remember the Libyan model, one of the stupidest things ever said on television was said by John Bolton. Mm. So uh, he was pretty much gone early on, but we kept him around and uh, he went out and wrote a book 
And by the way, the judge made a tremendous statement. I mean, do you see what the judge said about the release of classified material? I think John Bolton's got a big problem. Plus, he's not going to be able to keep his money. I don't think there's a chance that he's going to be able to keep his money. So we'll see what happens. President Donald J. Trump here on the pod's Honest Truth. Uh, there's so much to dissect here, but why don't we just um, keep, let's keep it simple here. All right. First of all, uh, this was a president that I was expecting to be in a little bit of a uh, more of a solemn or, or frustrated mood coming off of Tulsa and some of the media reviews he got and the polling hasn't been great, but it wasn't anything like that at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was pretty upbeat. He had a lot of energy. He always has a lot of energy, uh, but he, he seemed very well engaged and actually uh, had a bit of a pep in his step, which actually surprised me. Uh, obviously, he, he just just totally obliterated Fox News, which I thought was interesting. Um, but beyond that, I think the main takeaway for me was his evangelical strategy. I mean, clearly, he's making this case that he's delivered for evangelicals, which is not even, I mean, there's no question about that. We're going to get into that in the next segment uh, with the president. Uh, but this uh, this idea about talking about judges and pro-life judges and that Joe Biden would, in, in, in essence, end the pro-life movement if he was going to become president. I mean, I think that's the calling card. I mean, I think that's the play by this president uh, clearly unveiling what he believes will be a successful strategy in 2020. So lots more to dissect with this president uh, after the break here on the Pod's Honest Truth. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth. Time now for more of our exclusive interview with President Donald Trump. And once again, let me set the scene here, right? It is hot out. I mean, it's hot and it's humid. And let me give you a, a quick little a thumb thumb up situation in terms of prayer working. I was praying. I'm a sweater. I normally sweat a lot. Look, I know TMI. We don't need to get into the whole sweat index situation with me. But let me just say that when that interview started for that 20 minutes, I wasn't sweating at all. It was phenomenal. I was sweating before. It was hot. Hello. I told you about my hair registering the complaint. But when that interview started and I was praying... And God took away the sweat. So that is on the record right here on the Pod's Honest Truth. All right, more from our interview. We're going to talk about uh, more with the president on the evangelicals, uh, or is, I love how he calls them, the evangelicals. Um, it's like we're, we're just a, we're, we're a group. It's like, a, like the Beatles. We're the evangelicals. Uh, and so he's going to talk about them specifically and how he's going to appeal to them. But beyond that, he's going to talk about God and whether or not he was put in office by God for such a time as this. And then he gets to some pretty explosive comments at the end where he talks about uh, President Obama and the word treason. It's all coming up. Here's the president. I want to turn to evangelicals a little bit. One of the criticisms, and look, you've done a boatload for evangelicals, for sure. Uh, and they, as a matter of fact, you've over-delivered for evangelicals. But the question More then- More than any president in history by a factor of 10. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody would actually disagree with that. Um, let me ask you this about the law and order president and balancing that with compassion, because the evangelicals that may want to go away from you, a percentage or two, will say they want to see more balance, especially with everything going on with George Floyd and uh, coronavirus. They want to, so what is it exactly in the, maybe in the future or what you've done this administration from a compassion standpoint that people should be aware of? Well, let me tell you, you have George Floyd, yeah. but you also had 14 people killed this weekend in Chicago. Right. So you got to balance them out. You got to say, wait a minute, we need 
law and order. And it's run there. All of these problems, Seattle, Portland, Chicago. Uh, you could go to Oakland. You could go to Baltimore. What do they have in common? They're run by liberal Democrats, just like Joe Biden. Mm. Our nation will go to hell if he gets elected. Your 401ks, which are now setting records, will go down maybe to nothing, maybe to dust, because he's going to raise everybody's taxes. He has no idea what he's doing anyway. You know that. He didn't when he was in primetime 20 years ago. You know, he never got more than 1%. I used to call him 1% Joe. And then Obama took him off the trash heap. And, and this, it's, it's a fluke. Nobody knows how this happened. He's running against these other people. Whether you like their views or not, they were competent. And he got through that whole mess, right? Yeah. And now he's sitting in a basement. And he doesn't want to come out. And this is what we're going to have. If he got elected, China will own the United States. Do you think you're the underdog in this race? Um, I don't know. I think we have tremendous support. I really do. I think it's the uh, silent majority. There is yeah. a silent majority. Happened last time. Remember, the people came out and everyone said, where did all these people come from? And it really is. It's, it's a group of people that's massive. And they work. And they're smart. And they're brilliant. And they're this and that. Everything is good. And many evangelicals are in that group. You know, I got a tremendous evangelical support. I, I had, I mean, Christian support was incredible for me. It was. It was incredible. And I think it should be better because before I was talking, even you said, well, are you sure? And I said, I'm sure. But now I've done it. Again, they said I'm the most pro-life president in history by far, more so than Ronald Reagan. And so now I've established my credentials before I was just talking. You ought to ask a guy like a Biden or ask his campaign, give a list of judges, see where they stand on pro-life, mm. see where they stand on it. You will not be able to get that list because they're going to put an absolute radical lefty in there in the Supreme Court. I want to ask. And other judges. Just on the, on the evangelical front, I've asked Sarah Sanders this, Mike Pompeo, they all give me the same answer. I say, was President Trump put in office for such a time as this? Did God put President Trump in office for such a time as this? I never asked you that question. What do you think? Well, I don't know what they said specifically. They, say, they said yes. Okay, because I have had Ben Carson said the same thing. You know, Ben Carson came to me because he ran a very effective campaign. Yeah. And he did a good job. He really did. You know, he came in one of the top people. And uh, he said to me, you know you're going to win. I said, Ben, I'm running against you. What are you telling me? He said, you're going to win because God put you here for this occasion. I said, what a lovely thing to say. That was the first one that I heard from Ben Carson. And it was during the campaign. I was running against him, and he was saying, I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. He's a very high-quality guy. He's done a great job yeah. in the administration. Do you, too, buy, I that? Do you buy what he's saying? Uh, I almost don't even want to think about it, because you know what? All I'm going to do is, it, I, I hope it's true. All I'm going to do is I'm going to do my best. And part of, of what I'm doing my best on is for the religious community, beyond evangelical. Evangelical is a very big part. It's very important to me. You know, we have great support. I was so honored when Franklin Graham said that his father voted for me. Mm. And that was something that Billy Graham has never announced who he was voting for. But Franklin Graham said his father voted for him. He went public with it, as you know. Mm -hmm. To me, that was a big moment, because I have such respect for Franklin and for the family. And Billy, Billy Graham is 
Billy Graham is Billy Graham, right? But when he said that his father, his last vote was for me, and his father never announced who he was voting for, would never talk about it. Um, no, I think I have great, I think I have great support. There's a lot of hidden support. Uh, people in our country that don't riot, that don't protest, that don't, you know, they work hard. Uh, they never had a voice until I came, meaning over the last long period of time. Yeah. We call them the forgotten men and women. They were the forgotten. They were very successful. They, were, they do a great job. They're smart. They have everything. But they were forgotten by the politicians. They showed up in 16. I think they're going to show up in larger numbers in 20. My last question, because I said I would ask about uh, the deep state, which has been after you for ever, <laughs> for a long time. On Obama and the spine situation, this idea that they were spying on your campaign, you've been asked before about what crime he would have potentially committed. But I remember you talking to treason. Doug Well, treason. That, that's what I was going to ask it's you. It's treason. Look. It's treason. Look. Okay. That's when what I, I came out a long time ago, I said, they've been spying on my campaign. Mm -hmm. I said, they've been taping, and that was in quotes, meaning a modern-day version of taping. It's all the same thing, but a modern-day version. But they've been spying on my campaign. I told you that a long time ago. Turned out I was right. Let's see what happens to him now. Uh, Durham is... I never met Durham, because I want to stay out of it, because otherwise it's going to look political. But Durham, as you know, is a highly respected person. And Bill Barr is doing a great job as Attorney General. Let's see what they come up with. But they don't have to tell me. All I have to do is read the papers, the insurance policy. In case she doesn't win, we've got an insurance policy. Well, that was all the stuff that we went through over the last, let's say, two and a half years. Now we caught him. We caught him called Struck and Page, the two lovers. Mm -hmm. Brennan and Clapper, the way they lied. Democrats can't stand Barr. Comey. Bill Barr. They, they, they just... They, they can't stand who? Bill Barr. They just think he's political. You know why? Because he's doing Trump. such a good job. Mm -hmm. Because he's law and order. But he's got them in his crosshairs. And now we have to see what's going to happen. I will say this. If it were reversed, and if the other side sat were at the Oval Office right in that chair behind the Resolute desk, yeah. and it was the opposite, Two years ago, 25 people would have been convicted, and they would be sent to jail for 50 years. Hmm. And by the way, if it were 100 years ago or 50 years ago, they would have been executed. But we're in a different time. We're in a different time. You understand what I mean by that? They spied on the opposing party's campaign, and we caught them. Mm -hmm. And I just hope I get tremendous evangelical Christian support because, and I'm not saying this as a bragging thing, nobody has done more for religion than I have. Look what I've done in Israel, which is a big thing with the evangelicals. Tire, tire. In many respects, it's more important to the evangelicals than to Jewish people in this country. But look what I've done with the capital of of Israel, you know, when you when you go into Jerusalem, what I've done, every president said they were going to make Jerusalem the capital of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then when they got into office, they didn't do it. When I say every, many from, you know, for decades, they've all been, camp they campaigned. And I understand why. Because when I got into office, as soon as they thought I was even considering it, I was called by so many world leaders asking me 
in the strongest of terms mm -hmm. not to do it. And they all changed their mind. Not that they changed their mind, they just didn't do it. I did it. Uh, Golan Heights, I did. You know, probably the biggest thing I did for Israel was Iran, breaking up that horrible deal made by President Obama, $150 billion, $1.8 billion in cash. So I've done a lot for religion, and I've done a lot for the evangelicals, and I hope we can have your support. And if Biden gets even 1%, it would be terrible. And uh, you can forget about the pro-life movement, because it will, it will be over. Mr. President, your time is valuable. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you so much. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. President Donald J. Trump here on the pod's Honest Truth. All right, uh, before we get out of here, a quick follow-up on those comments regarding treason uh, and Barack Obama. You should know that I would have loved to follow up. Uh, part of the problem was uh, this was a 20-minute interview. We were already at 22 minutes. I was getting three different raps about five to seven minutes before that. And that was the last question literally in the interview. So uh, clearly he'll be asked follow-up questions about his comments to me in that interview. And guess what? He's the most accessible president ever uh, in the history of presidents, if you will, especially in this modern day of media. Uh, so he's available. You know where to find him. His address is 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He's always talking to the media pretty much every day, whether it be on the lawn outside or uh, in the Oval Office on extended pool sprays or wherever it happens to be. He'll be asked follow-ups for sure on the trees and comments. By the way, this is the third interview I did with him. First one was actually the first week he was president. Uh, David Muir from ABC News did the first interview, then Sean Hannity, then myself. It was on a, a Friday in January of 2017 uh, in the Blue Room at the White House. The second interview I did with him, I did with my co-anchor at the time, a co-worker, uh, Jenna Browder over at CBN News. We did that on Air Force One, literally in his cabin. And that was a uh, wild experience. We'll have to do a podcast on that. I'll tell you all about that. And this is, of course, the third interview I have done with him. One final thought before we leave you. The critics love to get on this president's case every single day, 24 hours a day, by the way. And one of their main targets involves his relationship with evangelicals. They just don't truly understand how they, the evangelicals, can back a president who they believe isn't the most morally upstanding guy in the world. Now, look, folks, I've answered that question ad nauseum. So no need to get into all of that now. That is a huge, long thesis that I can explain. But let me just say this. When it comes to President Trump, clearly actions speak louder than words. And you may say, hey, wait a minute, his words are pretty loud on Twitter and words do matter. That's true, but actions matter too. And the truth of the matter is that his actions, his moves, if you will, in support of evangelicals and their traditional biblical principles even if you don't agree with them, have been stellar. 
And that's not analysis, that's fact. So complain all you want about his style and his Twitter feed and how he can rein it in and not be so over the top. That's all fair game. But in the Judeo-Christian macro prism of public policy, this is the most evangelical friendly president that evangelicals have ever had. It's not even close. And that's the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. Thank you.